Hey guys, welcome back to the City of Champions podcast. If you thought last week's introduction was bad, just wait for this week. I'm out on the street right now. I'm uh, going to upload the episode in a couple of minutes. Today I talked to Michael Maxis, filmmaker, director, writer, entrepreneur, restaurateur, among many other things. This guy never stops. Uh, today we were in a car as his schedule is extremely tight and limited. He's got a new restaurant opening up next Friday, the Holy Roller. Check it out. Bear with the audio on this one, guys. It's about six and a half minutes in. It gets better as we park the car. Please enjoy my conversation with Michael Maxis. Michael Maxis, you're going to be my first driving car podcast guest. How do you feel about this? I'm very, very honored. Breaking <laughs> new ground. You've uh, got somewhat of an enigmatic uh, reputation in Edmonton. Um, can you tell people what you're up to currently? Um, well, I'm in, I'm in post-production on my first feature film, which we shot in Edmonton in the spring. Um, so we're just about finished editing and then transitioning into visual effects and sound design and score and color and all that fun stuff and hope to be finished mid to late December. And at the same time, I'm uh, wrapping up construction and preparing to open a new restaurant um, called The Holy Roller. What's uh, a couple sentences you can give us on Holy Roller? Holy Roller is our third restaurant, um, the first two being El Cortez and Have Mercy. Um, and it's just a progressive contemporary concept that features food from around the world and a really art-infused design concept. So your, your first passion in life is filmmaking. How did you get yourself into that? Um, that's a long story, but at the end of the day, it comes down to um, finding the right piece of inspiration that encouraged me to truly identify and then follow my wildest dreams. And as grandiose or crazy as that sounds, that's the bottom line, is I identified what I liked more than anything in the world and what has had the biggest impact on me, and it was movies um, from an enjoyment level, but also from uh, an inspirational or mentorship level. There's so many great lessons that um, were imbued upon me from watching films, and I felt like I'd like to explore that medium um, and put myself in a position to give back um, to people and future generations the same way that the filmmakers before me gave to me. Now, not everyone has an epiphany or an aha moment in life in which they realize what they're meant for. You actually do. Um, can you run us through that story of you at the Gates of Western? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say that I think that aha moments... Uh, do come to all of us, but typically in moments of isolation or loneliness, um, and we're so distracted um, in life from everything from social media, but also to brothers and sisters and family and Christmas and school and homework and all these things that don't allow us to be in our own, in our own head and communicating with our own soul. Really. I was an only child raised by a mom who was working and spent a lot of time by myself. I, went, I moved away to go to university in London, Ontario by myself without friends. So I was always um, sort of a loner in, in a lot of ways and spent lots of time by myself uh, reflecting on life, um, sort of digging and searching for those inner truths. And uh, that's where I was just struck by the idea to, um, to not follow the... Um, really um, ascribed path that uh, I was sort of led to believe is you know 
right, that we're inundated by society that this is what you should do. We're not really given a choice in most cases. Yeah, well, you're given a few options, right? Be a businessman, be a doctor, be a teacher, be a welder, be a plumber, and that's it, right? So um, I was lucky enough to just have that moment of, of awakening or whatever you want to call it and jump on it. Um, yeah, I was, I was walking up to the gates of Western for my third year of school and literally felt like I was struck by lightning, um, I guess in a mystical sense, not a literal sense, but, and I don't know what it was, but I was just possessed by the idea of not to go in here, and my, it's like my whole flash, my whole life flashed before me, and I saw it going down this very kind of corporate, dull, um, soulless road, and then I looked down the other direction, which was a very bleak, empty, dreary street on an overcast day with not much going on, and I thought, that looks a lot more interesting, and I'm going to follow that road. So, was it a moment of panic, or was it a moment of clarity and, and comfort? It wasn't panic at all. It was just like a, a pause. And, uh, yeah, it was actually peaceful. And um, I didn't know what it was, but it felt real. And uh, it had a mystical quality to it, or whatever you want to, however you want to describe it. And I just thought, that's too real of a feeling not to follow it and explore it. So then why filmmaking and when did you first pick up a, a camera for the first time? Well I what's interesting is growing up in Edmonton I don't know about nowadays but when I was growing up here you're really not guided or, or steered towards a career in, in professional art so I have no background in art. Not in music, not in drawing, not in writing, not in painting, not in filmmaking, not in anything. So um, I wasn't drawn to it originally because I wanted, I had this, felt this deep desire to express myself and, uh, and be an artist. I was purely drawn to it because of the impact it had on me as a kid and the importance of film in my life, what an inspiration it was. So I looked into the industry and learned right away that it was a very, very vast industry that had all sorts of opportunities for people of all types. You could be a stuntman, you could be an actor, you could be an accountant, you could be an electrician, you could be an a carpenter, a painter, a writer, a director, a cameraman, a photographer, whatever. So I just felt like, wow, what an amazing industry. What a sin that it's not talked about here because it also is an, an industry where you can make a very good living as a technician. Um, I'm going to explore it. And um, at first, I felt like I was going to be drawn to the business side of it as a producer. But uh, I quickly, um, you know, fell in love with the idea of being an artist. Okay, guys, we're going to take a break here while we get a sandwich from Fife and Duckle. Okay, you parking? first. Are you parking here? I was just finishing the interview. Oh. We can go get the sandwich. Oh, fuck it. We'll finish it then. Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, we're back. <laughs> we're back. That was a good sandwich. So then you started shooting bands first, is that correct? Yeah, and it was very good pecan pie too. Um, but yeah, um, the first thing I did was I produced. I kind of got conned, to be honest, to by some um, wannabe filmmakers to finance, uh, help finance and raise the money for their project. And all the money was lost, over a quarter million dollars. I was hoping to go to film school, but that kind of torpedoed that whole initiative. Um, I was had just lost a bunch of people's money, all my own money, spent a year and a half uh, with these fumbling kind of wannabe guys, 
and uh, felt like, okay, I got to get real about this. So I actually contacted the film schools, the best ones like USC and UCLA for some advice uh, on some contacts and how to really sort of um, get into the industry the right way. And I ended up meeting a very talented editor and filmmaker that was a um, part of the USC alumni and he wanted to direct music videos and uh, I produced music videos for him for a while um, and then when I felt like I wanted to start shooting myself I went and bought a camcorder at the time it was a DVX 100 it was like four or five grand and I'd go to the local um, venues in Edmonton Sidetrack Cafe, Urban Lounge, Reds um, and I'd <clears throat> talk to the managers or promoters and tell them hey I'm willing to shoot the band's concerts uh, tonight for free so I started doing that, shooting all these different local band shows, getting on the road with them, touring through Grand Prairie and Lloydminster and Medicine Hat, shooting their tours, shooting their rehearsals, and uh, becoming friends and doing good work, and and then just meeting bigger and more successful bands and continuing to deliver and until I was ready to direct my first music video, which was for a local band called the Murder City Sparrows, which were a Sonic Band of the Month, and then that video did well, and I got signed to it big agent at what point did you stop saying yes to everything and, and eventually have to start saying no to things I immediately started saying no to most things as soon as I signed that first agent which really frustrated them <laughs> um, I always felt like I wanted to be my own voice and my own artist have my commit to my own style I wanted to be picky I didn't want to be cheapened by association with uninspired and materialistic uh, like driven or motivated music. Um, I've always been focused on uh, finding my own truths, finding music that it, it related to or connected with and doing those videos. I did go through a phase of where my ego maybe got the, the better of me and I, I quit developing and I took the craft for granted. I didn't care as much um, and then I did do some money jobs and commercials and um, I caught myself though and got off that path quickly. Were you able to kind of reconcile a one for me, one for them sort of attitude or, or was it more for you and only a couple yeah. for them along the way? I don't buy that attitude either. That still stems from uh, materialism and greed. So I actually don't care about money. Um, to be honest, excessive money is repulsive to me. So I don't even think about money. I don't know how much money I have. Sometimes things bounce, then I figure it out, get it organized. Um, I really doesn't come into the equation. So I never made barely any money doing videos. Any money that was there, I put into the videos themselves. Accumulated massive debt, um, but you know I don't. I still have debt. I still, but I I don't care. I do my best to pay it off, and it's not at all about that for me. It's been a. It's really more than anything been about finding my own voice, right. and it's all been a path. It's all been um, a concept to eventually make my own movies, and it's taken me a long time to feel prepared to do it, um, but a few years ago I made that commitment, and then I, I shot one. Here we go. I'm in post on it now. Yeah, you gave me an opportunity to work on it, which was fantastic. What a ride. Yeah, and you were a very, very impressive. I know the producers that you worked with loved you, and I've been hiring you and trying to hire you on upcoming projects, <laughs> but you're getting too busy for them now, I hear. <laughs> Back to saying no, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you something specific, because you're an incredibly confident person in the work that you do. I watched you on set. I've watched you in the restaurants just for many years now. Um, was there? Do you always have that absolute confidence in your vision? Um, and if so, 
well, if you've always had it, that's one thing. But if you haven't always had it, at what point in your career did that switch from kind of questioning yourself to absolute confidence? Um, well, I, if you operate out of a place of integrity and you're doing things for the right reason, you really can't fail. Um, the problem with our society is success is measured based on financial returns. And that's a very toxic um, and doomed philosophy. Um, I don't measure my success based on financial returns. Um, I measure it based on the clarity with which I was able to express the truth or whatever I was feeling inside. Um, so I don't have, I have confidence because I know I'm going to achieve what it is I want to achieve and I will work as hard as I humanly possibly can every single time to do it. Um, so that's, that's really where that comes from is, is I'm at ease and I kind of also have a philosophy of so what. Um, nothing really gets me down if if things don't um, work out it doesn't really matter there's always a way around it at the end of the day you know we're what are we we're microbes rotating around a globe orbiting the sun or whatever right so just do your best and do it out of integrity and trust your gut and if you if you feel good about what you're doing you really shouldn't have any doubts doubts come from guilt usually Right. So basically the only thing that can stop you is death. So as long as you're not dead, you're doing all right. Yeah, but even there, I think then in death is where we're able to finally reach that point beyond the horizon that we're striving for all along. Interesting. Now, you once told me uh, that you read or have read the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So what, what lessons from that kind of play a role in your day-to-day life? I think uh, Tao is really a state of mind, and uh, you can probably absorb the entire thing from reading one verse um, but uh, the more you read of it the more you read and the more you think about it the more you meditate on it the more it just sort of transforms your essence and your being it calms you um, it gives clarity um, and it, I think it, it teaches you lots of things it's just to me it's an amazing philosophy that's very very healthy so your style let's call it is you seem to be drawn to kind of the peculiar peculiar and quirky. What, what is it about those aspects that draw you into that work? Yeah, it's just I feel like they're overlooked qualities uh, or aspects in life. I find them, you know, captivating and beautiful in their own way, but I find them honest. Um, I, I, I look for them in humanity. Um, I believe that we're all part of this crazed and secure race together. It's very, very fascinating, yet somehow we're imbued with this sort of spiritual wisdom. Um, so through all of our inadequacies and, and, um, and quirks, there seems to always emerge some sort of really profound uh, mystical wisdom uh, from our actions. And I, I'm fascinated by it, and it's just my way of seeing the world, and it's, uh, it's you know, understanding why I've laughed at certain jokes and why I don't laugh at others, why I'm friends with certain people and not friends with others, why I'm drawn to certain architecture and not others, really pondering what it is about all those things, and it really helps you um, sort of understand your own perspective and who you are, and then art is about expressing it. So where do you think you're going to find kind of inspiration next? What's the plan? Uh, I already have like three films ready like outline that I got to write um, and I, I, you know what's funny is I found a consistent theme in all of them and I don't I actually don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to reveal that thing but right. it's very funny I'm drawn to the same quality and the same characteristics and the same story 
in people. Um, and uh, yeah, the next the next one's probably though is set in Arizona, mm-hmm. um, but they have another one set in Los Angeles. They're all kind of the similar tone. Uh, they they will evolve and change and obviously be different. But there's something that I'm trying to say and understand and express. And, well, shooting in Arizona is going to be a little bit more hospitable than shooting in Edmonton in the winter, eh? Yeah, and you know what's funny is I was planning on writing that film now. It was like on my calendar. I was going to be in Arizona in the fall writing it. But post-production on a feature film was such such a bigger commitment and so more complex than I ever imagined. Um, so I've been consumed by that. Um, but yeah, it, shooting in Arizona will be different than shooting in Edmonton um, for many reasons, I'm sure. Um, but... The reasons I shot in Edmonton um, are because of what it looks, what it looks like, what it feels like, the type of light that's here, the type, the banal architecture, um, the look of the people, and I had an amazing time, and it's exactly, it was exactly perfect for that film, plus the film was based on a true story that happened in Edmonton. Right. Well, I know people are looking forward to that one. I get asked every day when it's coming out and <laughs> had to defer the answer, but uh, officially submitted to Sundance. Yeah, submitted to Sundance a rough cut. I hope I, I hope that doesn't sound like I'm making an excuse for it. I hope it gets in. I feel great about the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll find a home somewhere. Hopefully it's it's there. If not, it'll be at something else. Now, knowing what you know now with the editing process of a feature film, would you have shot and directed the film differently? Or, or are you going to change anything up for the next time around? Well, there's so many things and so many variables that... Um, influence the product that you have or the film or the final footage that you're left with after shooting. The biggest one being the amount of time that you have to shoot it. So I would have liked to have had more time. Um, I would have I had some brilliant, very experienced key collaborators on the crew, but I also had a very inexperienced and undeveloped crew as well um, that led to some challenges at some key positions. So I've learned not to compromise certain positions and the importance of some of those positions. Uh, be a little harder on that next time um, but you know I'm evolving and continuing to evolve as a filmmaker and having shot a film has been very very valuable for gaining perspective now when I when I study great films I'm able to compare scenes that are done perfectly with how I kind of fumbled my way through some of them and I can say I can now see in the future ah next time there's this sort of situation someone's in this location moving from here to here interacting with this person or that person this is a much more efficient and effective way of moving the camera or placing the camera so having shot the film has actually allowed me to grow significantly more than just studying film after film after film and watching films now for you are is is less of well you enjoy it for different reasons than people typically would watch a film for now yeah well I've picked up an obsession now for shot design (laughs) Um, so I'm watching films now for the way in which they move the camera in sync with the choreography of the action Um, it's a really really brilliant craft and art form and it's one that I'm focusing on right now obsessively Um, in preparation for puppy love I was obsessively studying the craft of acting which I was addicted to and still am. I just love it and have a, such an admiration and respect for that craft, which is really under-respected for how complex it is and mm-hmm. under, uh, misunderstood. Um, but now I'm, uh, I'm really into the shot design stuff and uh, cinematic craftsmanship. What would you say is the biggest lesson you learned from Puppy Love? The biggest lesson is to never compromise. Um, 
you have to be a good person and kind to everybody, but I compromised on certain people that worked on that film just to be a nice guy because they were recommended by this person or that, or they're local and they're this, that, whatever. I'll never do that again. Um, people need to earn their position, um, and I really only want to work with the most talented, great people I possibly can, which I do on the restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to start taking that same attitude on movies. Right. Well, it's your first big go-around, so I'm sure you got lots more opportunities ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, now with Holy Roller, is it the Holy Roller or just Holy Roller? It's the Holy Roller. The Holy Roller, and it's uh, currently Wednesday, October 11th. So when does that open to the public? It opens next Friday, October 20th. October 20th, so you guys check it out. White Mud and Gateway, right, right next to the Gravity Pope. Right? Um, White Ave and Gateway, right next to Gravity Pope and El Cortez. Um, and yeah, get ready to experience some Detroit-style pizza. The best pizza you've ever had. It really is. <laughs> so, uh, between El Cortez, Have Mercy, uh, your countless directing credits, upcoming The Holy Roller, you've got a reputation for incredibly high work, or high quality work, I should say. Um, have you ever considered sort of pulling all of your endeavors under one banner or one brand? Or is that just not any, any on your radar at all? No, because I don't care about brands. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't even care if the restaurants were under a different name. Mm -hmm. So, no. Good. Okay, Mike. Thanks. Appreciate it. Sweet. All right. First car one done. Thanks, guys. Go check out the Holy Roller. That's it. Thanks, Shane. That's awesome, man.